The desert's coming had driven everyone in Melancere into chaotic retreat southward, on roads never meant to accommodate such a massive number of refugees. Or, probably not quite everyone. Geraint wondered how many others might be tucked away in cellars and well-houses, waiting for the desert to drive the upstanding citizens of Melancere out of the city. The desperate, the stupid, the mad— those unfortunates both crippled and destitute. Probably few of her last inhabitants would survive Melancere's fall by more than a day or so. Geraint counted himself among the desperate rather than the stupid or the mad, and hoped he would find no reason to change his mind. He had made good use of the scant days of preparation. No one had been able to keep careful count of supplies in those last days, Pilfering had been easy and nearly safe. Here in the cellar he had a bottle of the Felisteden's best wine, two rare books from the Felisteden library, a change of clothing, decent boots, a little loose in the ankle, a few coins, nine fat candles, two lanterns and four jars of oil, a twelve-hour sand-timer, a bag of apples, some fresh bread and soft cheese, plenty of the hard cracker and dried beef that travellers carried, and six skins of clean water. He had not had time to make the water skins himself, but these were the best he had been able to find. They should keep the water clean and cool. They wouldn't leak or spoil. These were for later. For the present he had a small barrel, which once held ale, and that he had refilled with water before lugging it— with some difficulty down to this cellar. Aside from his own stolen supplies, there was nothing in this low cellar but empty racks, where wine had been stored. It was a pity that all the racks were empty. The Antirdans had been renowned for the quality of their wines, but they had left nothing behind when they closed their house, which they had done quickly. Berent Antirdan, head of the Antirdan household, was a decisive man, and not inclined to risk his family by dithering. Unlike Perak Felisteden, who had indeed dithered and let his own household's flight become usefully chaotic. Was he hearing the sound of sand scraping against stone overhead? Or was the sound merely in his mind? Geraint squinted up at the close-fitted stones of the ceiling and decided the sound was real. Probably. To drive back the dark and his too ready imagination, he lit the second lantern as well as the first. This was profligate. But he had plenty of oil. He had made the lanterns himself and stolen only quality oil for them. The light was luxuriously clean and clear. There was nothing to do but wait for the dry storm to blow itself out. He did not intend to go up those stairs until enough time had passed to reasonably suspect it had. He picked up one of the books, Gestechen Wanestak's History of Meridanium, and let it fall open at random. Illuminations picked out in gold and powdered pearl glittered around the measured stanzas that marched down the page. On this night, my friends, on this night of fire and iron— on this dark night of fire and rage, when we leave our wives weeping behind us, to play the game of death among the broken stones where the deadly wind cries. 
Geraint closed the book and set it aside. All his masters had been men of learning, or at least had wished to pass themselves off as such. Inclined toward old, beautiful books even as a child, Geraint had learned early that a slave's best comfort and surest escape was to be found in black ink and painted illuminations, in philosophy and history and poetry. But perhaps not Wanistatch's poetry, just at this moment when all his hope was bent on a more literal and far more dangerous kind of escape. The other book was also a history, Berusan's Great Casmant Historica. At least it contained no grim poetry, Berusant not being of a particularly dour temperament. Geraint picked it up, opened it to an account of the founding of Bredek Bowden, and read a few lines.